Good morning, fellow redeemed. The text for our consideration is from 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm actually going to begin at verse 14 so we understand the true context of this section of scripture. Peter writes, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We pray. O Lord, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. May be seated. To sanctify means to set apart. To set apart the Lord God in your hearts isn't easy. Yeah, sometimes we want to do that, but oftentimes we don't. Oftentimes our sinful nature wants us to set the Lord off to the side so that it can focus on those things it wants and desires. And those could be anything. It could be something material. It could be a person or a relationship. It could be an unhealthy and ungodly habit. It could be a career. It could be countless thousands of different things. Our sinful nature doesn't want to deprive itself of those things that it wants and desires because it feels like that in some way it's going to unnecessarily suffer somehow. This is certainly true when we are college age. But guess what? It doesn't get any easier as you grow older. But to be sure, it is far better for you and me to deprive ourselves of our wants and our desires of those sinful things and to have some sort of false suffering feeling right now in the here and now versus setting the Lord off to the side so that on the last day he sets you and me off to the side. Because if that happens... Well, that's when real suffering begins. That's where there's hellfire and the weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where we would be outside of the presence of God. There is no suffering in this world that is worth setting God off to the side and not setting him and sanctifying him inside of our heart because of what the end result would be in that situation. And that means, as Peter tells us in this section of Scripture, not even death. Many of you, as I look out here, know the story. Chaplain Molstead has used this story numerous times in the four years I've been here. But I'm going to use it again today because it is the perfect real-life example of what this section of Scripture is honestly and truly talking about. He was in his 80s when he came to the full realization of what St. Peter meant when he wrote, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. He grew up when much of society and government hated Christianity. He was considered, it's said, to be very ill-educated, at least in the eyes of the world. I would argue that he was wiser than most as he was educated in what truly, truly matters as he got his instruction at the feet of St. John the Apostle. His time as a pastor was not easy. It was filled with struggles. He had to help solve the debate on when to solve Easter. 
He had to fight against the heretic Martian, and he had to struggle with converting people that were lost in the airs of Gnosticism. And yet, amongst all of those difficult pastor battles, it's still recorded in history that he was seen and was known for being unpretentious, humble, and direct. And after 80-some years of regularly setting the Lord apart in his heart, this man, worn by age and worn by strong pastoral battles, once again was ready to give an answer to those who asked him why he had hope even in the face of suffering. Having been been betrayed by some of those closest to him, soldiers showed up at his door during supper time as if they had arrived in a way to arrest the most dangerous criminal in the world at that time. The old man could have escaped, but he told his friends, I'm not going to do that. The Lord's will be done. It's recorded that when he went and he opened the door, the soldiers were just awestruck at the fact how old he was and how steadfast he was. To the point where it's recorded later that some of the soldiers admitted they couldn't understand why they had went through all of this trouble and struggle to come to this old man's house right now. But in the way Christ would have done, the old man invited them in at supper time and he gave them food and they gave, he gave them drink and all he asked in return from the soldiers was one thing. Could I have one hour to pray in your presence? You can watch me, I'm not going to run. The soldiers, they willingly gave him two. And as they went to arrest him and take him off to the proconsul for his trial, it said that almost every single soldier there regretted the fact that they had went and now been part of this process and couldn't understand why they had to arrest such a gentle, godly, and venerable old man. As he came before the proconsul, he came into the arena in which people started yelling and shouting and were excited because they had arrived that day with the hopes he'd be there and that they would get to watch him die in some exciting way. And they tried to get him to to deny Christ. But with death staring him down, whether it be ripped apart limb to limb by by animals or, or being burned by fire, with the hordes of hell looking to devour him, whether at that moment because he would stand firm and not deny Christ, or at a later time in the fires of hell because he denied Christ. St. Polycarp, one last time, set the Lord God in his heart, and he gave the reason for the hope that he had. And we're told in history he did it, as Peter tells us to do it, with meekness and with the fear of God. Six and eighty years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and then is extinguished, But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on what you want. And as we know, the proconsul had the fire lit, and the soldiers came forward to bind him. But he asked them not to, and he promised he'd walk into the fire willingly, and he would stay there until it was over. 
The soldiers, most of who had been there and regretted arresting him in the first place, granted the old man his final request. But as we know then, supposedly, the fire would not burn up St. Polycarp. And so they sent an executioner in and he pierced him. And he kept piercing him to the point where so much blood flowed from his veins, it's recorded that the fire was extinguished. And just as St. Peter tells us here in this text, Polycarp died with a good conscience before God. And it's recorded in history that many who reviled Polycarp up to that point stood there with regret and never forgot what had happened that day. It says Polycarp is even spoken of by the heathens in every place. Folks, this is why the Holy Spirit inspired St. Peter to write this text. Yes, it has some applications like it's being used today with scholarly debate and why we should have a creation museum and dozens of other things like that. But at the end of the day, St. Peter is telling us this in a very Joshua-esque way. Choose ye this day to set the Lord God in your heart as first and foremost. So that when times become tough, you do not fall apart. So that you are ready to confess the Christian faith and the hope that you have both now and forever. And each of us needs to do this every single morning when God allows us to wake up by confessing our sinfulness and returning to our baptism and giving and receiving Christ's forgiveness. Because if we aren't willing, my friends, to do this at times when suffering is minimal or not even real, it's just perceived in our head, what are we going to do in those times when the suffering does become harsh in Israel? There is absolutely no suffering that this world can offer you and me that we should be willing to get out of by setting and not sanctifying God in our heart and setting him off to the side. Because as St. Paul reminds the Romans, as he tells you and me, this present suffering isn't anything in comparison with the glories that await you and me and all who believe in heaven one day. In faith, when you set apart the Lord in your heart, the blessings of Christ are endless, literally. They are endless in the amount and the fact that they will be with you forever. His perfect life that he lived when he became one of us until he took his last breath is the thing that causes God the Father to look at you and me and to forgive us for every time that we have set him off to the side or out of our life. His holy death on the cross and the blood that flowed from his veins is what washes you and me clean of every single one of our sins so that we have forgiveness of any and all sins, no matter how unforgivable they felt at the time or they feel right now as you're listening. In his life and in his death, in his resurrection, in his grace and in his mercy, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in love took on, defeated, and destroyed the hordes of hell so that you and I can be guaranteed God will never set us off to the side, but will keep us as his own now and forever, and we will always be surrounded by his grace, his mercy, and his blessings. 
And as St. Peter says here in this text, and as he finally, after these words, one day experienced himself, as St. Polycarp experienced himself, chances are, for most of us in this room, some sort of suffering will come our way for righteousness' sake. Now, maybe you'll be fortunate and it will be simply that people think you're foolish because you believe in a six-day creation. But chances are is that suffering is going to be much worse. Maybe it is going to be the fact that you do lose out on that job or promotion and now you and your family have financial struggles till the day you die. Or maybe as you sit here right now, that religion discussion comes up and you now are not going to marry the person that you expected to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe it's going to wreck another relationship. Maybe it will wreck the relationship you have when you're with your kids when they grow older because they don't want to follow that anymore. Maybe it will be a harsh suffering from a group or from a government. And God forbid that we, any of us have to go through it, but maybe, maybe it will even be a suffering like what St. Polycarp went through. But should suffering come to you because you have set the Lord God apart in your heart and you have confessed your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with your lips and you have clung to him in his word and his sacraments, should the hordes of hell be waiting outside your door to devour you? Remember that the one who lived and died for you, the one who destroyed hell for you, is always there with you. There is no question on that. You will suffer nothing. You will suffer nothing that Jesus will not use for your eternal good. And you can be confident that when you set the Lord God apart in your heart through his word and the use of his supper, that nothing in this world, no type of suffering, not even hell itself, will separate you from his love. Not even death. And finally, as what Peter's talking about right here, know and be confident that every time that you and I do suffer, for righteousness sake your savior will he will use that to draw other people to him that need him desperately just like it was with polycarp my friends to that savior and lord be the glory now and forever amen